0: So hello welcome to uh, the second episode of always notes podcast today we're welcoming yasser yasser has built a tourism company in europe it was based in brussels I mean, it is still based in brussels and he's going to tell us how he did it it's a very very interesting story so i'm really looking forward to it so uh, hi yasser
1: welcome hi man how's it going thank you yeah. for inviting me
0: Uh, I'm good, I'm good, thank you. So can you please introduce yourself, say where you're from, uh, your background, and uh, how you ended up in Brussels, because it's kind of a crazy story.
1: Well, uh, I'm Yasser, everybody calls me Jazz. And, well, I'm actually originally from uh, Venezuela. I grew up there, I lived my entire life there, and I even tried to make my uh, studies there Uh, I I tried to, at this actually the first semester of uh, um, electrical uh, engineering, electronics engineering, sorry, Uh, but then of course, uh, this is something that probably everybody knows uh, now, Uh, Venezuela is a very complicated uh, country. It was already uh, back then when I was living in Venezuela, I could notice already that uh, there was pretty much no opportunity, so I decided to- Wait, which year uh, was it? That was in 2009. The 2009, yeah, when I left Venezuela, I moved first to Buenos Aires, Argentina uh, because I had family there. So it was like a nice uh, uh, first step to get out of the country. And when I was in Argentina, I was pretty much just trying different things. I always call it my hippie period because I also tried to uh, study music. I did some theater. I learned to play the guitar. And at some point I considered that that was going to be my, my career. But then I suddenly started working on sales and uh, and yeah, I started doing well. I was working for kind of like a luxury kind of like fashion is, is store. And, yeah. uh, and that's when I, when I was able to make good money, I was very young, of course, and I saved uh, uh, enough money for me to quit my job and travel around Europe. And, and traveling around Europe is when I met a Belgian girl that suddenly, yeah got me hooked and convinced me to to move to Brussels. And that's how I ended up here.
0: OK, and then in Brussels, uh, you had to find something to do, right?
1: Yes, actually, it was very difficult once I moved to Brussels because I couldn't find anything. Uh, the first plan was, of course, to learn the language, to learn uh, French. So I was uh, immediately uh, started like a integration course, they call it. And the idea is that you study French uh, very intensively every single day, five days a week, for four or five hours a day. Uh, but of course, in the meantime, I needed to, to make a living and it was pretty much impossible. I couldn't find a job at doing anything. The only gig that I was able to find was kind of like occasional and it was washing dishes in the um, the student's bar in the Flemish University. And that was because I had a friend there and he was able to hook me one night here and there, but it was nothing really, really, uh, yeah, it was, it was not enough. And that's actually when I decided that, uh, that, I that I wanted to work as a tour guide since the only, the only languages that I managed or my only personal access were the fact that I spoke, uh, English and Spanish. And I thought that I was going to make a good tour guide. So i went to some uh, tourism uh, agencies to see if they wanted to hire me as a tour guide they all rejected me because i had no experience which is true actually i before that i never worked as a tour guide a day in my life so Uh, how, how did
0: the tour guide idea come up like where did you get this idea from
1: well actually when I backpacked back Europe before moving to Belgium, I, I traveled around Europe and I traveled around South America. And I saw a lot of these people. Actually, I joined a lot of tours myself. And I thought that it was a cool job. You know, it's kind of like the yeah, when you see someone being a bartender or a DJ. It's one of those things that I thought, like, yeah, it's a cool job, you know? Uh and I thought indeed that once I mean when I came to Belgium and I saw that there were actually I saw that there were not enough people providing touristic services, I thought, ah, maybe Here's where I can find a job, and of course I was considering the fact that I speak English and Spanish. So I was, I was thinking the fact that well maybe I can. It's going to be easy since the only thing you need to be a tour guide is just to be kind of like outgoing, charismatic, and and speak whatever language is, is needed. So, but honestly, it came from my from my from my my own uh, travel experiences the idea of of working as a tour guide.
0: Okay, so all of the companies rejected you, and so then, what happened?
1: Well, I decided I was going to create my own my own service. Um, I cannot say that at the moment i I thought of creating a company because that would be that would not be true. I just thought, okay, I'm gonna try to find my own people. And at the beginning, when I started my business, I really thought like, okay, I need only like five to seven people a day, and that's enough. like that's my biggest uh, My biggest market, it was just five to seven people a day, a day. And with that, I could make enough to pay the rent. It was kind of like my, my most uh, urgent thing at the moment. And and then after that, anything was going to be amazing. Uh, But actually even doing that was not difficult. I, my, my marketing idea was to actually go to three hostels that I figured out were uh, on the way to the city center of Brussels. So I would pass by those hostels every single day after my French course in the morning. So I would get out of my French classes and I would pass by these hostels and I would talk to the receptionist. And I would say, hey, look, if you have anyone that wants to do a tour in Brussels, just tell them that in 15, 20 minutes I'm gonna be in the main square and they can join me there. And since, of course, I was not even, uh, I, I didn't even know how good my service was going to be because I never did a tour before, I wasn't even, uh, able to charge an amount, a specific amount. So I actually told people to just give me a tip. Uh, it was a system that I also saw while traveling. I met, a, uh, I saw a lot of tour guides that were doing tours for tips. So I thought, okay, that's what I'm going to do. So I will pass by these receptions. It was three hostels specifically. I will talk to the receptionist and then tell them like, yeah, if you have someone just tell them to come with me, or if you if, if someone is already here, just. I will kind of like pick them up and take them to the main square. And and basically yeah, I will, I will provide a service for for tips. But initially I didn't have anyone for like two weeks, I think. I will pass so by two place. weeks
0: you went every day to the hostels every... to ask yeah. if someone wanted to come to your tours.
1: Yeah, for that at least if wow. not more, but for at least two weeks there was no one. And I actually think that out of out of the pity that the receptionist felt for me is that I got my first client. Like I do imagine that at some point they say, okay, let's try to make an effort to promote this guy and and send him someone. And indeed that happened one day, I passed by a hostel and then there was a couple, only two people. That was my first tour ever. It was only two people, a Brazilian couple. They, they tour with me, they gave me a tip. And to be honest, it felt like I made, I don't know, a hundred thousand euros when it was actually just a, a, a tip from a couple but it really, really felt good. It was, it was a really, really uh, amazing moment when I got, and then these couple came back to the wholesale. They really enjoyed it. They talked very well to the receptionist, and next day there were other two peoples, and then three, and then four, the five, six, seven, eight, and then groups kept growing. And just a few, more, few months after that, I was walking every day with groups of 15, 20 people, which was much more than what I projected initially
0: and so these people you you so did you uh, stick to your marketing strategy of getting them from hostels or did you diversify your marketing channels
1: no i actually did the hostel thing for a long time i did it for at least 2 years uh because you know the first year i was still doing my french course so actually that was working very well i was Finish my classes in the morning. I would go out, pass by the hostel, pick up some people, and do and do my tours. and And it was great. And to be honest, I was making a living just very few months after I started. So that was that was kind of like my my first idea. I think the 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 light bulb moment was one day. Uh, the, normally, what I would do is like I will arrive to the meeting point. And there were some people that were already coming with me because the idea is that the hostels were telling uh, the, the travelers, okay, he's going to pass by. So just wait for him. He's going to pass by here and just oh, can yeah. go with him, you know, uh, but then there were some people that will meet me at the meeting point because of course I created a website, very basic WordPress, bad looking website. And then some people, and i started printing like some flyers to live in the hostel. but basically the idea was I will pass by these hostels and then you can meet me at the meeting point. And one day I arrived to the meeting point, I think it was summer, 2015. Uh, yeah, it was summer, 2015, early, probably late spring, 2015. And I will, I I was carrying always kind of like a little cardboard sign with me that will say free walking tour, because actually these these services that are based on tips, they are known as free walking tours. Uh, they're called free for the idea that people are free to pay whatever they want. So I'll put out I'll put up uh, put out this sign that says okay, free walking tour, and suddenly there's like a mass of people that comes toward me. And there were probably 70 people in total. And I thought So wow. wait, wait. So
0: did these did these people know you or they were just intrigued because they saw you at that moment?
1: No, the thing is that I since I started passing by every day, then I think Not only the hostels, they started promoting me more actively in the sense that they knew that I was providing a nice service. People were being happy. They were coming back. Actually, hostels started doing it kind of like an extra service of the hostel. You know, like we have breakfast, we have, uh, I don't know, free water and a guy that passed by every day to give you a walking tour of the city. So in this sense, people were entering to the hostel, So they were telling me, yeah, okay, you can either wait for the guy now or if you know, otherwise you can meet him later. He starts at, uh, I think it was at 2 p.m. at the time. Starts at 2 p.m. In, in this point. But then also other people started paying attention to the fact that I was the only one, because that's actually one of the reasons why I picked that moment. There was no touristic activities in Brussels happening in the afternoon. There were other uh, tour activities, but all of them happening in the morning at like 11 a.m., something like that. Besides that, there was nothing to do in the afternoon. Like if you enter the, um, the tourist information office, they will tell you, no, if you want a tour, you have to wait until tomorrow morning. And I think my theory is I never asked, uh, but my theory is that the tourist information office picked up the fact that I was passing by every afternoon. So then they will tell people, okay, there's a guy that he comes here apparently at around 2 PM and he starts tours. Maybe you can ask him. And I think that's how people started getting more and more, uh, at the meeting point, more than the people that I was bringing from the hostel. but then at some point when the season was starting in 2015, that's the moment when kind of like the pack uh, showed up. And that was the moment when I realized, yeah, man, maybe I can do something with this.
0: And you started in which year? That was how, how many years after you had f- done your first tour? Uh,
1: I started in December uh, 2013, and I worked uh, on my own through the whole 2014. And then it was by kind of like March 2015, when I got the idea of, of creating a, a proper company and start building up a team.
0: Okay, so basically, you have this, this huge group of 70 people like com- coming towards you and you're very happy, probably. And then you think, yes. okay, maybe I need to scale this thing.
1: Yes, exactly. That's, that's, that's how it happened. And basically my strategy was well I cannot multiply myself so I'm going to look for people similar to me people that want to make some money people that are charismatic people that speak languages and then I was still very active as a tour guide so what I would say I would look for people that wanted to work with me and then I would gain a commission on the people that I was sending to them so for example if there would be 70 people that would show up well I would get my group of 30 35 and then I would send the rest to the others and then they would pay me a commission for every single person that I will send to them, since it's a tour that was working on tips, they would pay me a fixed commission, and whatever they made on top of the tip or I'm sorry, whatever they made on top of the commission was their own profit, let's say. And that was the business model that I started with.
0: That makes sense. So you were you were providing them with tourists, and they were entertaining the tourists and then making money. They were basically buying tourists of you
1: exactly that was literally what they were doing yeah
0: <laughs> and so so you, you you started hiring like this this first like one two three people and then yes. uh, what happened
1: well i started with my first team i think yeah we were probably three four something like that and then we started growing but did, did you, we were, but
0: okay so first, first question where did you find these people
1: facebook i went directly on facebook uh, I posted on a group of, uh, yeah, expats, travelers, students, whatever, like, you know, uh, this is an activity, you need to be charismatic, going? and actually, uh, it's funny because, yeah, I didn't have an office, I didn't have anything, so I would just uh, meet them in, like, cafes or something, to you know, be a little bit serious, like, I always played the role from the beginning, like, yeah, I'm trying to build something, and, you know, we're trying to provide services and blah, 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 but in reality, it was just me. I do have to say that at the beginning, it was kind of more like a, we're just like friends. We're literally just like young guys, friends hanging around with tourists. We will finish the tours and then we'll ask the tourists, okay, what do you want to do? You want to go drinking? You want to party? You're going to enjoy? Like at the beginning, it was pretty much that, but then at some point it started growing and growing. And that's the moment when it started becoming more organized in terms of the team and management and all of that. But at the beginning, I would just look for people in Facebook that wanted to make an extra, an extra pocket money and wanted to have fun while doing it.
0: And so these people, did you train them or did they have any experience? Like how did it work?
1: No, no. Actually, I I, I, I never ever, even until today, I never asked for previous experience to, to become a tour guide. Uh, it's always welcome and it's always better. But I never asked because I had no experience when I started. So it will be a little bit... Um, I'll be a little bit hypocrite if I ask someone else's experience to tell them that they can be a good, a good tour guy, because I was a great tour guy. I consider myself, to be honest, one of the best tour guys that ever walked in the center of Brussels. And I, <laughs> I yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think there, there's enough proof of that. And, uh, and I never, um, yeah, I never had experience prior to that. The only thing that I had was the will to work and, and the energy and the charisma. And that's actually the only thing that I was looking. I was looking for people that, you know, I would meet them in a cafe. And it's something that you can feel instantly. You know, when someone is fun, someone is charismatic, it's energetic, it's always yeah. smiling. To me, that was it. That was the cue. you're in. I will invite them to join my tours, you know, like come. I'm here every day. Come as many times as you want to learn the script. I can tell you, I can coach you, blah, blah. Uh, and then they will make their own way. And they ended up becoming excellent tour guides. Actually, some of them Way better than me. Uh, I, I can I can say that as well. Uh, but yeah, they started. So they with no just learn
0: coming to your They came maybe what five six times, and then started doing their own tours as well.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Okay, this is fascinating. So uh, at that point, did you already have a company? or Not really.
1: No, at that point, I didn't really have a company. Uh, the, actually, the moment when I established was already in two thousand and sixteen. And this is funny because I take that decision in 2016 uh, we are getting masses, but I mean like crowds, huge crowds in Brussels. Like we couldn't handle it. The team was overworked. Like, yes, we cannot keep working at this rhythm. There's so many people every day. And then, uh, I say like, okay, I'm going to find a way I'm going to, I took, I kind of like took one of the tour guys to help me in the management to be kind of like a part-time manager for me. To help me organize the schedule, organize that everything will go better. Because the thing is that prior to that, we would just go see who show up, and that was it. You know, it could be a big group, but we had no kind of like schedule or you know, if there's X amount of people, do take these, or there was no organization at all.
0: No, no structure so whatsoever.
1: No structure whatsoever, exactly. And then uh, I take one uh, tour guy to to be a part part-time manager. And that's the moment when we decide to organize things like correctly. And that was a begin end of 2015, kind of like uh, after the summer of 2015, when I realized that we had an amazing summer. But most importantly, I realized that it wasn't slowing down because you know you normally have the summer season, but then you know October, November, at least in 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 Europe in tourism, it tends to slow down because it's winter. But it was not slowing down; it was just growing and growing. more people coming and coming. So that's when I realized that, yeah, probably I need to do it. So I planned that to be okay. Beginning of 2016, we're a properly registered company and all of that. But then, uh, yeah, the terrorist attack happened in, in Brussels and that kind of like, well, really screw up my plans, but actually on the other side, it really gave me more motivation to, to do something different, to start other cities, because I've really learned that. I was actually paranoid that I was going to lose what I had. So I thought like, okay, I cannot lose this. But I knew that Brussels was now a, an empty city because no one was coming to Brussels, and that's when I decided to, to start opening in other cities. And that's when it really became kind of like a company because I already had a manager, I said, look, I need someone to take care of Brussels. I'm going to create tools in other cities in Belgium. And, um, so out of that, uh, tragic. Episode actually, yeah, I I had the motivation to go and do it, and that kind of repeated again later. Uh, so yeah, I guess it's a pattern that 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 I had in in my case.
0: So it's very interesting because when you wanted to start as a tour guide, no no companies wanted to hire you, so you build your own. And then when terrorist attacks happened in Brussels, there were no more tourists, so you decided to see to go see like in other places. So these obstacles, these setbacks. Have actually made you stronger and bigger, right?
1: Yeah, totally. And actually, um, I don't know because I think uh, I I will be lying by saying that okay, you know, it came out of encouragement or like you know, like I had a vision. To be honest, it came out of desperation. Like I was desperate. Like I don't want to lose this thing, and uh, and so I had no choice. And. It's funny because I think the moments that I performed the best was the moment when there was no other choice. Like I had to find a way to make more tours because Brussels was suddenly gone. So I started everyone, all, all the people that were planning to come to Belgium, they were skipping Brussels. They were going to cities like Bruges, Antwerp and Ghent. So I started opening tours there and we were actually the first tour uh, ever operating in Antwerp because I remember that when we opened there, the tourist information office, they were like, oh, finally we have, tour guys here like doing tours like thanks god like no one ever wanted to offer things here same in Ghent, and not the same in Bruges because Bruges had always been very touristic and there were already tours uh, happening there but even though we 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 stepped in and, and we built services there and um and yeah so actually then we became really big in belgium so then again the team became bigger so then i had already proper management so there was already somewhere taking care of the management in brussels and then someone taking care of the management of the other cities. We got an, an office space uh, thanks to a friend um, and yeah, actually things started looking more like a company.
0: Okay. And then eventually you're going to go to other cities in other countries. You're going to keep on expanding.
1: Yes. And actually that's a, that's a funny story also related to what we just talked. Because the thing that happened is that in 2018, I had kind of like an existential moment when I decided that I suddenly wanted to build, a, I kind of like wanted to build a software service or like a startup or something like that. And it happened because I did a coding bootcamp that's called the Wagon. Uh, I did that one and then I had this idea to build like an incredible app to manage the tool, guys. I actually So wait 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 get...
0: because it's a little bit weird. You you there like having this this very no code, no technology whatsoever, tourism company, and you're gonna go do a coding bootcamp. What what happened?
1: The thing is that I mean initially I needed to build something to manage my team. I know I knew that I needed like a digital tool or something. I went you needed asking... software software you. Yeah, I needed software to scale uh, or at least to manage mostly, to manage correctly, to optimize. That would be the right word. And then um, I went asking, you know, so developers and people like that, I, I knew nothing about tech. And of course they were charging me like stupid amount of money for doing something that in my head was simple, like, you know, like I just need this to make a calendar and to make this other thing. It's not that complex. I'm not trying to land a rocket in the moon. I'm just trying to build like a, <laughs> a, a basic software, like why is it so expensive? It didn't make sense to me. So I thought again, I'm going to build it myself. So I went to this bootcamp and then I realized that indeed I was not able to build it myself, but I understood better how it could be built. So. The thing that happened is that I built this software for me, but then I applied to uh, a startup incubator in Paris that is called The Family, and they liked the idea. They liked the idea of the software. They liked the concept. Of course, they liked the story. They liked the, idea, the the fact that I was someone that came with nothing, and out of nowhere, I was building something, and we're already uh, big in Belgium and, and, and things like that. So of course, in this type of incubator, they don't look only at the product, they also look at the entrepreneur behind it. But it was a great uh, decision in terms of of personal experience, but it was a bad decision in terms of uh, business because I lost focus. I was growing, indeed, as you said, a non-tech touristic agency. And then I suddenly was kind of like playing around with this software thing and, and then this incubator and all of that. So that was an idea that actually, kind of like wear off after a few months, especially since I realized that it it was not going to work. Um, But then uh, due to this lack of attention that I paid to the business for several months, the the business started doing really bad. That was already year 2018. The business started doing bad. My overhead was bigger because I had more people working at the office. So I had more salaries to pay. Uh, I had more tour guys at the time the team of two guys kind of like was around 16 18 people pretty much full time that they were counting on me to provide them with with people with tourists so they can make a living out of that so i had major responsibilities and i i lost focus so the the business started going bad and there was massive competition when i told you that i was the only tour happening in the afternoon i can tell you like that that changed drastically like suddenly they were like five six seven companies offering uh touristic services
0: so when did these companies appear
1: they started appearing after the terrorist attacks i mean when brussels recover after the terrorist attacks that was in 2017 is when they started appearing and also pretty much i think my own uh, example gave the idea that you didn't need much to actually be good and at providing touristic services which. Some ways true, you know. You just needed a group of people, some basic advertisement. In our case, we use orange umbrellas, you know, so for people to recognize you, and that's it. You're ready to go. You have your touristic company, basically. And then, and I, I think it was, yeah, but the um, in the summer of 2017 is when they started showing up, appearing. And by the summer of 2018 is when the competition got brutal. Like, yeah, it was. was, All of
0: these companies were eating away your customers.
1: Indeed, and I was not working hard enough to increase the pie, at least for myself. So indeed, what was happening is was that they were eating away my, my customers. And that's something that I realized already, like by the end of 2018 is when I thought like, okay. Wow, this is this is bad. And at some point, I was really again desperation kicked in, and I realized that if we keep going this way, it's just going to be a matter of months that I'm that I'm gonna lose my 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 services, and basically I will have to either cut down the company, if not shut it down completely. Yeah. And but luckily for me, uh, this tool that I built in this time that is that is spent building this tool i i actually i spent time and money a lot of money building this thing which is one of the typical entrepreneurial mis- mistakes you know do you focus a lot of building a product when you don't even know if people are actually going to use it
0: i yeah. spent a lot <laughs> yeah, of time I
1: yeah, yeah. spend a lot of time building this product and it's going to be the perfect product and all of that yeah but when i realized that no one is was going to pay for it i thought well i already have this product so we can actually use it ourselves and indeed it ended up becoming probably the best investment that I did because this tool allowed me to start creating touristic services uh, everywhere in Europe. And at the beginning was also very, very rough because my strategy was quite crazy, to be honest. So for example, I decided that the first city I was going to try was going to be Luxembourg. So I I said, okay, for two months, every weekend, I'm gonna go to Luxembourg, back and forth, and I'm gonna do the tours myself. because I didn't have any money to do marketing or anything so it was only me and I would go there until I was able to kind of like convince people to be the tour guides there and we're going to manage them through the software that I built so I uh, that's what happened and and for at least one and a half month every weekend from Friday to Sunday I will ride seven hours in a train back and forth from Luxembourg and I will do the tour so I'll do like Two and a half hours to Luxembourg. That was kind of like my office hour to work in the administration. I would do the tours two times during the day. So I would do 1030 until like 4 p.m. And then three and a half hours back, that was also more office time. And that was my way to work. That was, those were my weekends for at least one month and a half. I remember when I shared that story with the two main managers that were working for me at the time, Uh, one of them, uh, Ava, you knew her, she said, that that was a crazy idea and it was not going to work and i was like, okay okay that she's my kind of like my right hand on the on the business and she doesn't believe it's gonna happen and that discouraged me a little but I, I had to try and then the other manager he told me that's actually the great idea that's actually the the best idea but i still don't think you're gonna pull it off i think it's just it's a good idea but you're not gonna be able to pull it off and uh, i don't know i just had to try so i started doing that one and a half month where fully operating in Luxembourg. And then I thought, well, I can do the same. So I started uh, going to Frankfurt, but I would not go back and forth. I would go and spend the weekends in Frankfurt. So I'll go to a hostel and stay in the hostel, then do tours during the weekend. And then it was funny because even the tourists would come back to the hostel and was like, ah, but you were the tour guide. So I'm <laughs> come, you're and But I was, you're
0: also a tourist as a tour yeah, guide. Yeah, <laughs>
1: exactly. And I will do this while I was because the thing is that I needed in order for me to convince new tool guys, I needed to prove that we had a service. So it's yeah, kind of yeah, like you need
0: to be like the first base of customers. Yeah, and to prove that the business would work.
1: And then that actually turned things around completely. And by mid 2019, we were already in Lisbon, Stockholm, Florence, Bologna. Uh, Luxembourg, Frankfurt. Oh, wait, wait,
0: okay. Let's, I have a question. It's insane because you're telling me that in Brussels, the competition was cutthroat, but then you're expanding in all of these cities. Like, does it mean there were no competition or somehow you got very, very good, very fast?
1: No, indeed, uh, I understood that the idea was actually to look for the open ocean opportunity, the blue ocean opportunity, I think it's called. And actually what I did is that I would look into this city, but I would look what was not being done. So to give you an example, in Lisbon, if you walk in the city center of Lisbon, there will be like 10 companies offering tours. But there was this beautiful neighborhood that is called Belem that was completely empty. That's where I opened my tour. There was this other small city right, not far from Lisbon that is called Sintra, no tours there. So that's where we opened the tour. So I will go to these cities, but I will only open activities that were not being done by anyone to take advantage of this kind of like, you know, novelty or being the, the first mover in, in those activities.
0: Okay. So what you did with Antwerp, you did it again in all of these cities going somewhere else.
1: Exactly. So actually, a lot of people thought on that, thought that I was going to the city and they were like, yeah, but how come you're going to open uh, a tour in Lisbon, for example. But yeah, I was not providing a tour of the center of Lisbon or the, the, the most known neighborhoods, you know, like uh, uh, Baisa or, or Barrio Alto. I was not doing none of that. I was doing the out-of-the-track the uh, activities that yeah. were really popular, and I was the only one doing them.
0: Wow. So you expanded Frankfurt, Luxembourg, Lisbon,
1: uh, yeah, Florence, Palermo, Bologna, Stockholm, Oslo. Um, plus we had still uh, Brussels and the other major cities here. I think, yeah, and Ljubljana uh, also in Slovenia because my main manager, she was from Slovenia. and She was like, yeah, we can do it there. I know the people, we can, we can start there. And yeah, I think I'm not forgetting anything. Uh, I think those were the ones that we opened that summer. Okay, so you uh, went
0: full international. That was the summary of 2018?
1: 2019. two thousand, And that was the best year we ever had. I was super proud. My team was was incredibly motivated. We were hiring more people, of course, increase, increasing the people uh, working at the company. And, and it, was, it was, yeah, it was definitely the best year uh, I had. It was probably the year I worked the most because I was in charge of, opening all of those locations, like myself. It's not like a send people. No, no, no. I was traveling, going from plane to plane, from city to city, not stop, sometimes without sleeping, like just going, 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 because I need. I, I knew that that was my opportunity. And actually we stopped opening more locations because at some point I said, I just cannot do it. Like at some point I was really exhausted because okay. we had plans into going to Paris and London. And at some point I said, I'm sorry guys like let's pull it off like let's stop here let's try to now manage what we already got so we don't we don't uh, we don't buy more than where we can chew and then next year 2020 is going to be another great year another opportunity to to expand and and do it anymore and then and then we all know what happened yeah exactly exactly so uh, yeah, of course, 2020 was the opposite of that. Uh, 2020 pretty much uh, hit us with all its force, um, and yeah, to be honest, I lost. I mean, being now after some time and, and that that I can mention it very uh, not easily, but I can I can mention it mention it without any problems. Yeah, we lo- uh, I lost everything uh, pretty much in 2020. Um, In terms of the business, uh, what I what was the most valuable thing for me that I lost was my team. Actually, everyone in the team were people that were working with me for years. Uh, The tour guys were people that were working with me for years, and seeing that just falling apart was a big, big, big shot. And so, yeah, when COVID hit, of course, all the uncertainty. I think I always say that I passed through all the. of the episodes of grief, you know, like at the beginning I was complete denial, like, ah, yeah, guys, no worries, this is okay. In one month we're gonna be back, everything's gonna be fine. And then uh, I was completely desperate, like, no, it's the end of the world, we're gonna die, like it's over everything. And then it was acceptance, you know, at some point you said, well, that's it, that's business, that's life. And um, I remember that I talked to my team and I said, look, I can try to rebuild this uh, if you are with me, but I understood like, you no, for some of, some of them already decided to move on. And those that were kind of like hesitant, they were like, yeah, but we have to start from scratch, you know? And like, we already worked really hard helping you grow this and start everything again, it felt like a really, really exhausting task because in the first, at the first time it was exhausting. It was really exhausting. Like we gave it everything and do it all over again. It was too much and at the end yeah we kind of like uh, went different ways and uh, of course i kept my company i kept it more now as a kind of like a muse i don't know if you have this concept of a muse. it's it's, it's really famous it was uh, tim ferris who who mentioned this you know when you have a business that you kind of have like a interesting relationship with but it's not it's not not your partner it's not your wife it's just the a side muse. hustle yeah. A side hustle, indeed. So I kind of like packed it into that. I closed every single destination that was not bringing immediate money or yeah profit.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah, so and... wait, wait. Let let us come back uh, behind a bit. So yeah, uh, your team is saying okay, sorry, but we we don't want to rebuild it again. Yeah. And and so you don't rebuild it. So you decide not even to hire a new team to rebuild it again. You decide to transform the business is
1: that right i exactly i decided to transform the business so it can become a business that generates me the most money with the least effort possible
0: <laughs> i like that
1: yeah 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 so and what do you do then well actually i thought uh, at the beginning i was very i was completely lost because i i passed through this phase that you know like i at the beginning i thought i am i am my business, you know, like, I had this thing, like, now, since I don't have my business, I'm nothing, you know, because I don't have a professional career, I never finished my studies in university. Um, Yeah, I'm not, I can basically say, well, I'm just the same desperate guy that arrived here with a barely with, with, at this point, I could speak French, but, you know, like some languages, and that was it. And then I thought, well, no, actually, I have experience, I've learned a lot throughout the years and I can start again, you know, I can start fresh and I can start doing something new. And that's the moment when I realized, okay, well, if I have something again from scratch, what would I do? And in this search, because I started kind of like a searching period, like a searching moment, uh, I stumble onto, uh, this book that is called Lomodeus. Deus. And it's a book that talks about um, the future, how uh, pretty much um, AI and uh, and bio, biotechnology is going to impact the future of humanity. And I don't know, it looked to me like a revelation. I was stunned of the facts and the the, the concepts that were being taught uh, on that book. And I and I decided, well, I'm gonna jump into that. I'm gonna jump into data science and AI. And and that's the, the way I, I went. I started doing a a, a course, uh, I, I took a a long course, yeah, I, I mean, just I mean, wait. wait, wait.
0: All... But I mean, what, what happened to Viva uh, than before? Ah, so you decided no. to, to make it like a business where you could, that you could operate yes, with the least so amount of effort possible. With the least so what amount of effort, exactly?
1: I, exactly what I did is the math So I was thinking first, there were some cities that immediately went dead, you know, so OK, here there's I was thinking how much effort I need to rebuild this, yeah. re- rebuild this, this city. So it would take probably a lot of effort. I thought, OK, this is not doable at the moment. Then out of those cities that were operating, I thought, OK, in which cities I have the teams that are the most self-sufficient, that require the least amount of effort from me in order to manage them. So those that were really complicated, that had really complicated agendas and all of that, I shut them down. And then I, after I kind of like was left with the most self-sufficient uh, locations, I went through. Okay, which are the ones that bring the most profit? And out of the ones that brought the most profit, those are the ones that I kept. The other ones I shut down. And then now I have few destinations that are very profitable, self-sufficient, and um, and yeah, that's kind of like my side gig.
0: So you're still bringing tourists to the guides, but only
1: online. Yes. Exactly. Only online. Uh, I don't do local marketing. I do everything online. And, um, and and yeah, I still, of course, I don't bring the same amount that I was doing before, but keeping in mind that I'm the only one managing and partially managing (laughs) to be honest, uh, it, it pays off for the amount of time and effort that I put in.
0: So so you went from a company that had like what 25, 30 guys and three managers to being just half part like part-time you.
1: Yes, exactly. And mathematically, I mean, if we if we look at the numbers, it is more profitable now than it has ever been before. In terms <laughs> of how much effort you put in and how much net profit I get out. Uh, but yeah, of course, in terms of gross revenue, uh, it's very small in comparison to, to what it was. But it, it was a decision, and and this is the thing, uh, because I do have to say that despite the fact that I gave it my all to my to my to my business at the beginning, and it happened kind of like organically. I never decided to be a tour guy, or I never had the plan to to uh, grow a company in the tourist sector. It was never never part of my plan. I never yeah. planned to do beyond Brussels. I never planned to do beyond Belgium. I never in my wildest dream would imagine that my services will be happening in, uh, I don't know, not even in Luxembourg, which is right next door. No, 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 no. Everything happened very, very organically. So, everything
0: happened because it had to happen. Like somehow life for the, the terrorist attack on one hand and COVID on the other forced it to happen.
1: Exactly, exactly. So uh, everything happened because it had to happen. But at this pom- moment after that, If I would have wanted to reveal everything, of course, I I could have done it. I have no doubt in my mind because I had the background experience, the connections, and I just needed to jump into it 100 percent. But to be honest, on the other side, I also had I also share some of this feeling that 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 the people working with me share the fact that, okay, I have to start everything from scratch all over again. You know and um, create a new team build these connections you know like things that happen kind of like magically throughout the years I now need to make them happen and my my question was well if I have to put that much effort into creating something new would I do a touristic company and I thought well no actually I don't think so if I had to start everything from scratch I would probably go for something bigger more scalable something that doesn't require the amount of luck that I had, something that I can control more. And, uh, and that's why I took the decision to keep it uh, as it is now.
0: OK, so then you read Armodeus uh, from Yuval Noah Harari and you're like, yes. wow, data, this is awesome.
1: Yeah, I realized that's the future. I, I first realized that actually, well, data is everywhere now. I actually think on the concept that we are kind of like in the exact same period as the oil rush uh, in the that was probably, I don't know, early fifties or forties. I don't have the history right, but I'm working on it. I already ordered a book to learn the history of oil, to try to understand the history of data. And but I'm I realize that yeah, data is everywhere. People or companies are some are some of them are already very, very aware of the value that data has, but most of them don't. And I think that's the Period in which we're living now, like people are now coming to realize, companies are coming to realize how 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 valuable data is, uh, and there's a lot of, uh, going on in that sector. And that's only talking about data science, data analytics, or data engineering going a step uh, forward. Uh, AI, uh, machine learning is 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 also is also growing exponentially, and there's there's even more opportunities there to be, to be explored. And I, I don't know, I, I saw it kind of like a revelation. Uh, I, I think it's fascinating. And the more I read about it, the more in love I felt, uh, I felt with the subject. And, and, and that's where I decided to go.
0: Okay. And so you decided to learn data engineering.
1: Yeah, actually, um, I went into a data science uh, bootcamp, very intensive. 40 plus hours a week, like full-time, complete full-time, because 40 plus is the mandatory, plus all the hours that you have to put on the side to learn and to train and all that. And, but yeah, the path is is pretty much that. You start learning basics of programming, then you go to uh, data analytics, data engineering, and then after that, you, you build up to uh, more complex sub- subjects like data science and, and machine learning.
0: So, okay. And uh, so now you're going to start a new care- a career as a data engineer.
1: Yes, I'm definitely going to start a new career in data. I don't know per se if I'm going to stay. Uh, because the thing is that there there's so many things to do. Like you can go from being uh, doing analysis, engineering, advisory, consulting. I really don't know, and, but that's actually precisely why I want to jump in. Because the first thing I realized is that um, the more I see, I I know how much there is yet to learn. So after this bootcamp, I got the opportunity to work uh, uh, in a project for a really big company. And they're they're inviting me as a data engineer in in this project. Uh, And then if everything works well, I would like to work in that company. I'll be uh, an employee uh, for as long as I learned the subject and I, I figured out exactly what I want to do. And definitely, and most likely I will then uh, try to see where there's an opportunity for me to do something on my own.
0: Okay. So you still want to remain an entrepreneur, no nine, five job for you, but at least not forever.
1: No, 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 no. <laughs> I think uh, entrepreneurship gives you one of the most empowering feelings that you can, that you can have is really, I mean, and it's not only like the overall, it's not like the end results of it. It's actually the moments, the, 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 you know, the, the challenge by challenge that you tackle and tackle and tackle that feel just amazing. And I do understand like a, when you are an entrepreneur, you, sometimes you feel like you can take over the world. It's crazy, but you know, like something small as solving a problem for a client and you feel like, yes, I can, if I can do this, I can, I can be the next, the next Elon Musk. I don't know it's it's far fetched. (laughs) It's completely far fetched and unrealistic, but the feeling, the feeling that you get, I don't think if that's something that you can get as an employee. And once, once you taste that, uh, you just want to keep feeling that way, you know, and to be honest, also on the other side, at least in my experience, being an entrepreneur is hard is really really hard like i love this phrase that says you know like uh anyone can be an entrepreneur but not everyone can be an entrepreneur you know so basically what it says is like yeah, yeah. in theory everyone could but the reality is that in practice yeah and you need to you need to build a thicker skin you need to learn how to deal with stress and all this stuff because it's it's rough it's, it's um it's difficult, it's difficult. And uh, and but then when you get out of those difficult moments, you, you feel a bliss that is very difficult to find doing something else.
0: So it's been ten years in Brussels now, right?
1: Yes, ten years.
0: Yes. Yeah, so what's the best piece of advice that um, you wish someone had told you ten years ago or that you have already received?
1: Well, actually, if, if Well, it's actually a great question. If there's a piece of advice that I would have liked to receive would have been, I I think would have been just move faster because in my case, I always had to wait for the desperate moment in order for me to do, uh, to do great business move when I didn't need to wait for that to happen, you know? I could have expanded faster, I could have done. So I think in that sense, I would have kind of like, I think that would have been a a good advice for me. Of course, looking uh, backwards, I understand that everything happened for a reason and and happened at the right time. But if someone would have kind of like, if I would have appreciated an advice would be something like that, like, you know, like move faster or don't wait, don't wait to be in the bad in order for you to come out with a with a great solution like try to anticipate that yeah and and if there's some advice that i would give to someone is just try because the reality is that every single great uh, um how to say great jump or i don't say or growth or whatever you want to call it that happened in my business happened the moment i decided to try something different the moment everyone thought, okay, we're just a Brussels company. And I thought, uh, what if we try to go to other cities? And then when we had this mindset of, no, we're just a Belgian company. And I thought, uh, what if we try, you know, just try What's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen is that we stay a Belgian company. That's the worst that can happen. Yeah. But once you actually pass that barrier, because it's a mental barrier, it truly is. Once, once we pass that mental barrier, it's like a new world open and it's like, ah, You want me to open a tour where Buenos Aires, Argentina, I can do it. You know, like once you just break this mental barrier, it truly is. So if there's an advice that I would give to someone, it's just just try. If you have an idea, if you already have a business, if you already are an entrepreneur, but you're hesitant about something that you think might bring results, just try. Measure what is your uh, downside, of course, don't bet the business on, on one idea, in my case, uh, as I said, like, you know, if I would, I, the, one of the reasons why I decided to go for it in, in the story that I told you about Luxembourg, I decided to go myself because the worst thing that could have happened is that I lost my time. You know, I, I was not sacrificing anything from the business, I was not sac- sacrificing any money from the current business, but I will try this new idea. So uh, measure what's your downside, downside, sacrifice the least possible from whatever you already have working on but just go and try, and if you fail, at least you're going to bring back some some lessons. And you also know what doesn't work, which sometimes is very useful.
0: What an amazing piece of advice. Um, this is the end of the interview. So where can people find you? What's your website if they want to book a tour through Viva and support you in your data engineering adventure?
1: Well, if you're interested into uh, the tourism uh, business, just go to vivastour.com. That's actually my website, and you can find Activities there in many different uh, destinations. Some of them pro- provided directly by by my team. Some of them provided by some partners. But uh, very likely you're gonna find something there. And if you want to follow me in my new data science adventure, I think the best place is LinkedIn. Uh, it's not a place where I will where where I was hanging out a lot before. But since I entered the data engineering world, I realized that there's a lot going on there. There's a lot of uh, data scientists and 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 machine learning engineers that are sharing uh, great things. And I hope uh, at, at some point uh, be one of them that are also sharing interesting uh, ideas, uh, experiments, or sharing content uh, in general.
0: Okay. So your LinkedIn will be linked to the article and to the uh, podcast episode as well, so people can go there and, and, and follow you for uh, any interesting content you're going to post, I'm sure very, very soon.
1: There you go. Perfect. Uh, in, 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 in any case, for people that are hearing, the LinkedIn is just Barona, So yeah, you can find me.
0: Okay, that. we will link it to the, to the episode and the article. Okay, yes, sir. thank you so much for this interview. Very, very, very interesting, inspiring. And uh, well, we hope to have you on the podcast again, again, once you become a very famous data scientist <laughs> and building your own startup, and uh, can't, can't wait to learn the uh, the lessons that we will learn at the time.
1: Well, no, first of all, thank to you for inviting me. It's always a pleasure for me to have a conversation with you. Uh, I've mentioned that uh, and we're really good friends. We, we, we know each other for a, for a while and we share a lot of uh, common thoughts. So yeah, it will always be my pleasure to, to share my stories or, or whatever I have to share with you.
0: Amazing. Thank you very much. See ya.
1: Thank you, man. See you.